This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn in me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, we're starting the last chapter of the book. 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, in the passage we're looking at today, Peter addresses pastors. Um, just thinking about the overall theme of the entire book, um, what we've seen is that Peter is writing to believers who are suffering in the midst of a hostile world, right? Uh, We are citizens of another kingdom, and we await the coming of Jesus whenever he will set everything right. And we have a hope... uh, uh, in the future that we're looking forward to. And, but right now is the time between the times. It's the, this present evil age in which we live in the midst of a hostile world. So when Peter comes to chapter 5 and he begins talking about pastors, I, I think we need to remember that that's in the context of a book where he's, t- he's telling people how we're to live in the midst of a hostile world. So I think maybe... The way we can see this passage fitting with the whole book is that, we, we're, that Peter is telling pastors how they should pastor in the midst of a hostile world. Let's go ahead and look at our text, um, beginning in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Feed us by it this morning. Nourish us as we listen, as we think about your word. And Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter begins, so I exhort the elders among you. Now we hear that term elders and uh, you guys probably have a little bit better understanding of that term than uh, most Baptist churches (laughs) because you guys have elders. Right. Of course, um, uh, in an older generation, Baptist churches would understand that too. Our statement of faith and that of my denomination uh, says that the offices of a church are pastor and deacon. But if you look back into the old uh, statement of faith uh, from back in 1925, it actually used the term elder and deacon. Um, that's something that's changed over time because we are typically we use the word pastor when we're talking about. The pastor. But one thing you'll notice, I just, right before coming up here, I did a quick search. 
uh, with, uh, with my Bible software on my phone. And uh, the word pastor, you, you won't find it in the New Testament. It's more a descriptive term that we use to, to, um, to, to, to uh, give a title to the office. But the scriptural words are elder, uh, overseer, um, and uh, it uses a verb here where we get the term pastor from, shepherd. Um, but he here is exhorting the elders uh, um, among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. So when Peter here is encouraging, whenever he's exhorting the elders there among the, con- among the congregation, um, he doesn't then appeal to his authority as an apostle. He doesn't say, I exhort you as an apostle and, and, and claim the authority there. He, he, um, he identifies with them. And he says, as, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. And uh, he also specifies that he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He, um, you know, Jesus, Paul, Peter was one of the disciples and, and um, uh, he was there. Um, even though, you know, he denied Jesus three times. Um, some would say he, he took off and ran whenever it got hard. But he was there and he was a witness uh, both of the sufferings and of the resurrection of Jesus. He was one of the first, not the first, of course, we know those were the women, but one of the first people there at the tomb whenever he raced John to get there. He was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. When we wonder, how can we really believe that the Bible is true? How can we really believe that Jesus really rose from the dead? Peter here is telling us it's because he was an eyewitness. He was an eyewitness. He saw these things. And most of the things we know from history, we know because of eyewitnesses who wrote those things down. Peter here says, what is a pastor supposed to do? He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now, I've said this, this term elders is referring to pastors. Um, I, I want to I notice something here. It uses three different terms to describe the pastor here. It says elder, and it says exercising oversight. Now, that word exercising oversight is the verbal form of the word where the noun form we see in 1 Timothy in chapter 3 whenever it says um, one who offer, uh, desires the office of an overseer or a, a bishop in some translations. That's the same, same term there, same, same root term. So we see two terms there that are used of the office of pastor. There's elder, there's overseer. And then also uh, it's telling the pastors that they are to shepherd. And that, that is the term where we get the idea of pastoring from. You know, pastor, it's, more, it's more of an English term, but it's the idea of, of pastoral. You know, we think of, of uh, uh, a pasture where the, the livestock is out, out eating. And that's, that's where the, the connection between the English pastor and the, 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 uh, the, the term shepherding comes from. 
And so you have these three different terms that are used, and I think they're interchangeable. Whenever, whenever you see elder, it's talking about a pastor. Whenever, you're talking, whenever you see a, 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 the word bishop or overseer, it's also talking about a pastor. All three terms are interchangeable, and I'll, I'll give some evidence for that. And like I said, in 1 Timothy chapter um, 3, you have the qualifications for pastor. Give me a while to find it here. You have the qualifications for pastor in 1 Timothy 3, and it says, uh, this is a trustworthy, this saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. That's that term bishop or exercising oversight we see in the text that we were looking at this morning. But then in uh, chapter Um, chapter 5, he says, Let the elders who rule well be uh, considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Using the same word, or using different words to, descri- to describe pastors within the same book. And then in, Tim, uh, in Titus, in Titus, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, that you might uh, put into remain, I'm sorry, put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer. He switches from the term elder to overseer as a steward, uh, as God's steward must be above reproach. So all that just to say, when it's saying here, I exhort the elders among you. He's talking about pastors. And uh, I don't know if maybe you've ever thought about this, but the elders you have, the, the New Testament office that they're filling is the same as the office of pastor. I don't know if you've realized that, but if you're looking at the New Testament language, that's the same office. Um, now, what is a pastor supposed to do? Shepherd the flock of God. What does that mean? A pastor is to care for the people in the congregation. To care. Uh, pastoral, you know, the pastor is not just to come and preach on, the sun, on Sunday and then leave the congregation alone the rest of the week. No, there's, there's, there's an importance to pastoral care, to visiting the people. Um, there's one um, leader in my denomination that uh, is famous for saying, Shepherds smell like sheep. If you want to be a good pastor, you need to smell like sheep. You need to, you need to be with your people enough that you, um, you, you can smell it on you. <laughs> Shepherd the flock of God. And it, it says the flock of God. The congregation does not belong to the pastor. You know, sometimes we just kind of fall into informal language and say, well, my church... But it's not God. It's not my church. It's not any particular pastor's church. It's the flock of God. It belongs to him. And a pastor is is given this duty to care for God's people. It's an awesome responsibility. And he says that is among you. Once again, uh, pointing to the fact that a pastor needs to live among his people, to be uh, among his people, to, to walk through the flock, so to speak. 
He says, exercising oversight. Now, the pastor is not to be domineering, we see later on, but there is a certain level of oversight that a pastor should have. Sometimes sheep get in trouble, right? I don't know if you've seen some of the videos that have gone around where, where a, uh, uh, a, a sheep may have fallen into a hole and the shepherd pulls out the sheep. And what's the sheep do? As soon as he gets out, he starts bounding around and falls in another hole. <laughs> and the shepherd has to get up and pull that sheep out of another hole. Sheep sometimes get into trouble. And so God has appointed pastors, elders, shepherds over his people to care for them, to, to exercise oversight, to uh, protect a congregation from um, getting itself into trouble sometimes. He says, not under compulsion. The pastor should not do this job because he feels like it's his uh, obligation under compulsion. He should do it willingly. If, he, if a pastor starts to feel like, I just don't feel like I can do this anymore, he shouldn't just stick with it out of a sense of feeling like he's going to let people down. Instead, he needs to do so willingly as God would have you. A pastor needs to serve with joy. It's no good for a pastor to, to, um, to serve begrudgingly. But the pastor should serve with joy as God would have him. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. These two things are in contrast here. Um, you know, we can think of this term shameful gain and the first thing that probably pops into our mind is those TV preachers that are saying, send me money so that uh, I can buy myself a $2 million airplane. Right? That's, that's what, what comes to mind whenever we, we think of serving for shameful gain. But I think it's, it's deeper than that. I think it's something that every pastor has to struggle with. Um, again, in 1 Timothy, the passage that I, I looked at earlier, it said that a, a, uh, an elder who rules well should be, is uh, worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the preaching and teaching. It goes on to say that, uh, that you shall not muzzle an ox, um, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. A pastor is to be paid. If the resources are there. Now, there are often uh, people like in my position where I'm a bivocational pastor and Paul himself was a, a tent maker. Um, sometimes he was paid by, by the people he preached to and other times he, he earned his own income. It just depended on the situation. He, and oftentimes he didn't want to be a burden to the, to the congregation. So, so he worked for, for his labor. But um, here, Peter is saying that the money should not be the motivation. The money should not be the motivation. While, while churches are told to pay their pastor if they're able, at the same time, the pastor is not to have money as his motivation. But eagerly, the pastor should have so much joy in taking care of the flock, in preaching the word, that he'd do it for free if he had to. <laughs> Amen? 
not domineering over those in your charge. Again, like there was, there's oversight to be, to be uh, exercised by the pastor, but at the same time, the pastor is not to be a bully, pushing people around, uh, manipulating people, but be an example to the flock. Those two things are in, contra- uh, in uh, contrast to each other. So you've got not domineering, not, not holding a, a whip, and, 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 uh, and, and keeping people all, all in, uh, in step that way, but instead being an example, leading the way by your own example so that people follow. And finally he says, and when the chief shepherd appears. Of course, that's talking about Jesus. Jesus is that chief shepherd. He is ultimately the pastor of his flock. I've heard it often said that the pastors or the elders are are under shepherds caring for God's flock, but the chief shepherd, he will one day appear. We've been seeing that since chapter 1, whenever it says um, that we have a future glory that that we'll, we'll one day experience. When the chief shepherd appears, Jesus is coming back. You will receive the unfailing crown of unfading crown of glory. So why does a pastor serve? It's not for shameful gain. It's not to be motivated by money. What are we to be motivated by? We're to be motivated by the reward. We're to be motivated by hearing, well done, good and faithful servant one day. We're to be motivated by the fact that one day He will come and He will give us an unfading crown of glory. Some people think that to be motivated by the reward is somehow um, not morally praiseworthy. But Jesus, Peter here tells us the motivation is the reward. (laughs) It's the reward of not money. It's the reward of that unfading crown of glory when Jesus comes. And he changes gears. He says, likewise, you who are younger. Oh, boy. Does that bring a wrench into what I've been saying? I mean, here I was saying that the elders, it's not talking about older people. It's talking about the office of pastor. I think I demonstrated that pretty well. In fact, you know, we see it in the rest of the text. It's talking about um, how a pastor should be. He's shepherding the flock of God. He's um, uh all, all of these things that relate to the work of a pastor. So why does he transition here to you who are younger? It could be um, that he's uh, um, just contrasting the elders with the rest of the congregation by using this term. Or he could be um, um, focusing in on a particular part of the congregation, you who are younger. I think uh, probably the latter part there. Um, He's focusing in on a particular part of the congregation. Why would he focus on them? Probably because the younger are often um, restless, aren't they? They don't necessarily see all the reason for all the things that we do. And they're often the ones who say, oh, don't tell me we've never done it that way before. (laughs) When sometimes there's a reason why we've never done it that way before.
The younger are told to be subject to the elders, to have uh, to be subject to be to listen to the wisdom of the elders, to, that they would rein them in to keep them from being foolish. And he says, clothe yourselves, all of you. So he, he went from pastors to younger people within the congregation, and now all of you. This, this addresses everyone within the congregation. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. The pastor is not to be domineering, and that's a form of humility. He's not to be, oh, I'm the boss, everybody has to do what I say. No. He humbles himself, and so should everyone clothe themselves with humility toward one another. And the reason why Peter gives is God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There he alludes to a proverb um, from, the, from the book of Proverbs. But the idea is God opposes the proud. The proud, the boastful, the one who says, I'm good enough. Look at me. God opposes that. But he gives grace to the humble. And I, I think that, that we see here a picture of the gospel. How is it that we come to Jesus? We must become like little children. Right? The little child is not the proud. The little child, when we become like children, we have to humble ourselves. We come to Jesus and we say, I can't do it. I've broken your laws, God. And we humble ourselves and we accept his mercy. So let's step back from a text for a minute. How is the pastor to pastor in the midst of a hostile world? He cares for God's people. He cares for God's flock. And he does so willingly for the reward that is to come. And all of us, we're to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, as the next text says. And He will lift us up. Thank you.